You don't have to stand, but I want you to lift your hands. I want you to begin to tell him how thankful you are that he didn't leave you like you were. He didn't leave you in your sin. He didn't leave you in your sickness. He didn't leave you in your circumstance. You see, a lot of people in other countries, when they go worship their God, they go to him and they ask for something. But they don't praise him for the answer until it shows up. But we serve a God that we can thank him on credit. Because we know the word says that he is a good God. He's so good tonight. Father, we magnify you. We could walk out of this building right now and we can say that you met us here tonight. Father, we could get in our cars and we could go back home and we could say that today has been a successful day in your presence. You always show up. Father, you always supply the need. And tonight we want to thank you that once again you came into this house and you walked among your people and you walked among us and you begin to heal things inside of us. Father, you healed things inside of me tonight that I didn't know were still broken. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for that. It's been a good day in the house of the Lord today, hasn't it? My amazing man of God did a good job this morning. I have to tell you, I'm a little torn right now. And that's usually not a good place for me because I'm an organizer. I'm a planner, and I usually know what's going to happen, and I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I know one thing, that I do believe that God gave me a word for you. I do believe that there's somebody in here that needs to hear a word from the Lord tonight. You see, I've gone through so many situations in my life, Christian, where I, I looked around and I said, God, have you just left me? Have you ever felt just left? by God and you felt like you're in that circumstance all by yourself and nobody cares I'm going to tell you a story real quick and then we'll get into the text when my husband and I were living in Orlando Florida we were in our front yard and our son Landon if you don't know Landon's a little bitty one over here was outside and we lived in like a little cul-de-sac so when you pulled out of our driveway there was like a little roundabout area that the kids could play and the couple that had the house that sat in the back they were an older couple and they were grandparents but their children and their grandkids didn't live close by and and so they just loved they were the kind of people that would come out and they'd give out dollar bills for the ice cream truck and they were just a sweet couple and I remember one day 
in, I believe it was in February. And in February, Florida is gorgeous. You know, so we weren't outside freezing. And I remember my kids were out there and they were riding their bicycles and they were riding their scooters with other kids in, in our neighborhood. And as I'm standing there talking to one of the moms, she asked what we did for a living and I explained that we went to church there in town. I invited her to our church, gave her the directions, gave her the time, you know, just come to the church, come to the church, come to the church. And as we're talking, I hear Landon let out a scream And at about that time, I looked over to see my baby boy falling off of his scooter without a helmet on and his head bounced off the curb and he goes lifeless. And I remember being there in that moment, Pastor Dane, and I'm thinking to myself, I I don't know what to do. But say the name of Jesus. And so as my baby is laying there and I take off, you know, I, I, I'm not a runner. I don't like to run to things. I might run to a good cell. But I'm not a runner. And when I seen my baby go lifeless, there was this adrenaline surge on the inside of me that I knew once I got to him medically, I couldn't fix him. I was no doctor. I couldn't make the hurts up. I couldn't, I didn't know if there was life still in his body. And I knew that I couldn't just, I I couldn't possibly fix this problem. But the whole way that we're running to him, we're saying in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage somebody tonight that if you're looking at your situation and it looks lifeless, and it looks like there's no hope and it looks like all of hell has come against you and it looks like that the enemy's got you backed in a corner that when you begin to say the name of Jesus everything that's not lined up with the word has to line up at that moment I go run into my baby and when I get there my husband reaches down and and picks him up in his arms and Landon's body is still just laying there with no life in it And the whole way back to the home, I'm saying, but your word says that by your stripes he's healed. And your word says that no weapon formed against him shall prosper. And your word says that we are above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. And by the time I got back to the front door of my house, life entered back into my baby. Sometimes all you need is that Kairos moment with God. Sometimes all we need is for him to walk in, in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our dysfunction, and breathe life back into it. If you have your Bibles real quick, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 46. You don't need to stand because there's a little bit of scripture I want to read. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Son of David! Have mercy on me. Be quiet, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. 
Catch that. When Jesus, his cry had to get loud enough for the king to hear him. Sometime your pain has to get loud enough. You see, if I have a toothache, I can typically keep that to myself. But you let me break a leg and everybody's going to hear. Sometimes your pain has to get so bad that your cry matches the extent of your pain. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? He asked him. Jesus, I think, already knew. But there's something with confessing with your mouth. Jesus wanted him to ask, what do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. The Bible is so full of examples of where Jesus said your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. There are two kinds of time. There's chronos time and there's kairos time. Kairos time is God's timing. That's when God's realm invades ours. That's his timing. And chronos is chronological time. The Bible said concerning Jesus that he made himself manifest in the earth when the fullness of time had come. When God's time begins to invade man's time, there's something supernatural that happens. You see, the moment that day in Orlando, when I said the name Jesus, all of a sudden, my time got swallowed up in his timing. So he showed up. And all I had to say was Jesus. I can think of so many instances in my life, church, when I didn't have the words the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28 that there are that there are groanings that can't be uttered. When you don't know what to pray, that's when the Holy Spirit prays. I didn't have anything but the name of Jesus that day. And the Holy Ghost began to rise up inside. It's Kronos time. This man is blind. If you've ever known a blind person, they have to be helped all the time. When my dad pastored here in Farmington, we had a a young lady that came to our church that was blind, and she needed help doing everything. She needed help to walk. Her equilibrium, you can't focus. She needed help to do everything. But I always noticed, Pastor, that when she got in the presence of God, she didn't need help with that. She didn't need led to the altar. She didn't need led into the presence of God. She showed up with such an expectation. I believe that Bartimaeus showed up that day with an expectation that the son of David was coming through the town and this was his last option. How many of us have used him as our last option when the situation would have been different if we'd have used him as our first option? Bartimaeus, he has an issue. 
And his issue is now becoming his identity. They don't call him in the word just Bartimaeus. His issue gets put in front of his name. So instead of them saying, oh, it's just Bartimaeus, they say blind Bartimaeus. If you're not careful, church, your issue will become in front of your name. You know what I'm talking about. It's that liar so-and-so. It's that crack addict so-and-so. It's that church so-and-so that always has drama. Your identity will become in front of who you really are by your issue. Jesus came, and the people could not understand that they were about to step into a Kairos moment. They were waiting for things to happen. People were pronging on Jesus. You know, he had a big old group everywhere he went. People just going on him and pronging on him and grabbing. Could you just imagine all of the people that needed something from the Lord? They spend, back, back then they would spend all of their earnings to get to him. And we're 20 minutes late. They spend all their wealth, rearrange their schedules to go whatever town Jesus was in. But skipping church now is okay. A Kairos moment. We believe that God is with us all of the time. Through several scripture, scripture accounts, there are moments when God is not just with us, but God is taking over us. Faith in a Kairos moment. Some of the most frustrated people are people who have been given a prophetic opportunity that they don't know how to cease. I've gone to so many churches where Jesus was not there. Listen, I know I grew up a preacher's kid. Last thing I wanted to do was be one. Last thing I wanted to do was marry one. I was happy going to church, paying my tithing, sitting in a pew, and going home. I let the the circumstances of the church when I was younger determine I'm not going to do that. Never say never. For all of you preachers, kids, you know what I'm talking about. Never say never. I will never forget when we were at Valley Mines in the morning that the Lord called us into ministry and I sat there so infuriated because that's not what I wanted. I wanted to just go to church. And God said, hold up. And now it took a lot of convincing. It took a lot of, honey, I feel called into ministry. And I would tell him, no, you don't. Go lay down. Take some Tylenol. You'll feel better in the morning. No, honey, I really feel called into ministry. And I was like, no, you are with the wrong girl. It is, it's not me then. Because hurt had gotten me so convinced that every church person was just like the ones mean to my dad. So why would I want to subject my children to that? 
And the whole time, in my mind, I knew, I knew that God was right. That Kairos moment, when he shows up when you least expect him. The Bible says in John 1 and 1 that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Listen, it can never get so dark in your life where the light of Jesus will not shine through. If you were to turn every light off at midnight in this building and turn on one flashlight, the darkness can never hold back the light. It's a Kairos moment. The word was with God and the word was God. It was with him and it was him. There's no way around the word. It is him. It's always been him and it's always going to be him. Bartimaeus is crying out. I want you to just picture, I'm one of those, you're lucky I don't have like a whole, normally I have like a whole thing of props up here and people and I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want you to put yourself on that street. Maybe you can be a bystander. Maybe you say, you know what, there's nothing in my life right now that I need God to do. Everything's going right. Then I want you to place yourself as the bystander. But if you are like Bartimaeus, and there's something that you need from God, put yourself as him, and the crowd is pronging Jesus, and you see him walking down the road, and you begin to cry, son of David, have mercy on me. And you realize that the crowd is getting louder and louder and he can't hear you. And so again, you scream out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops where he's at. All of a sudden, he stops where he's at. And he turns around. And when he turns around, he sees a blind man crying out for him. He sees him crying out. Were you, were you Bartimaeus? I can tell you right now, there are so many things in my life that I, my soul is crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You know, when Brian and I get to come back home, this is typically the church we come to. This is home for us. It's like being with family when we're here. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. God does not speak to every church the way he speaks to this one. And so I know it may get frustrating. Pastor getting up here week after week with another word from God. But thank God you're here because of the last word he got. And guess what? Three years from now, you're going to be where you're at because of the word he's going to get from God. When the word, God is the word. God is the word. We have to make sure that just because we are in the middle of a bad situation, we don't let it overtake us. When God starts talking, there is potential for supernatural to happen. Verse 49. 
I had all kinds of notes going on up here. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So the blind, here we go, they say it again. So they called the blind man. They called him. He can't see nothing. But he knows he's talking to him. He hasn't been healed yet. But he knows he's talking to him. Vision has not been fulfilled yet. But he knows that God is talking to him. Something about you got his attention. And the way that he shows you that you got his attention is what does he do? He makes every person that made fun of him carry him to him. He prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. He prepares a table in the presence of confusion. He prepares a table in the presence of lack. He prepares a table in the presence of weakness. So everybody who said, shut your mouth, don't bother the master, all of a sudden had to be the ones that took him to the master. Before you can see anything, he's going to start talking to you. Before you have anything in the natural, he's going to start talking to you. If you can't find if you can't find the light at the end of the tunnel, just cry out for him. And when you begin to cry out for him, he's going to come to where you are. If you can't find him, have you ever, mamas, let your kids play outside and when you go out, they're nowhere to be found? What happens? Your heart starts beating. You start panicking. And every Lifetime movie you've ever watched begins to pop back into your head. My babies are gone. Oh, my gosh, somebody took my baby. Where's my baby? And then you see him just right around the corner. My poor children can't go anywhere. My son is 15, and he stands taller than I do, and he cannot. We go to the mall, and his daddy's walking him to the bathroom. He can't go anywhere by himself. He has to be by me. How do you think God feels? How do you think he feels when he sees you walking, and he's saying, hold on, that's not where I purposed you. That's not where I've called you. That's not where I've ordained you to be. I bet the whole time his heart begins to race. You mean something to God. You mean something to God. All the people who thought you've lost your mind. All the people when you got saved and started going to Tuesday night prayer meeting and thought you're a nutcase are going to be the same people that had to bring you to the master when you needed something from him. Your enemies are going to have to rise and call you blessed. This man has something very profound come out of the mouth of Jesus. He said, your faith has made you well go. This man put himself in the presence of Jesus and Jesus heals the man and then Jesus credits the man's healing to his faith. The Kairos moment 
still had to be ceased. It, God could have, Jesus could have walked through that town 800 times that year. But if that man never cried out, if that man never showed a longing to be healed, the moment still had to be ceased. The presence of Jesus being there created the opportunity. But if the man had not been persistent beyond the opinions of others, the inconvenience of himself, and the fact that it didn't happen when he asked for it the first time. Have you ever asked God for something more than once? And you don't see the result. Well, I guess he just doesn't want to do it. And we stop before the moment when he's about to do it. If the man cannot go beyond the inconveniences, then the Kairos moment will not benefit him. You see, he's blind. And I'm sure it's hot. And I'm sure that there's sand and rocks and dirt being kicked upon him. But it did not matter. Because you see, when everybody else got to leave that day, they got to go home and see what their family looked like. When he left, he couldn't even see the sunset out of the city. This was important to him. He refused to go home blind. He refused to go home the same way he was when they brought him into town that morning. So he began to seize that Kairos moment. He began to do what everybody told him not to. I wonder how many people looked at him and said, he doesn't matter. You, the Lord's not concerned with you. Listen, coming from this is coming from a girl whose opinion, everybody's opinion of her mattered to her. If I wore some, when I was younger, I say younger, I'm not that old. When I was about 16, 17, if I wore something to church and you kind of look, it's okay, I would never wear it again. True story. Those of you that have known me since I was 16, true story. The opinions of everybody else meant so much more to, more to me, Misty, until that moment. I'm sitting in the floor at church, and I believe it was Jessica, actually, began singing, Wash Over Me. I struggled with this for years. I had friends who told me who I was going to be and who I wasn't. I had friends, when I told them I felt called into ministry, they laughed at me. And instead of pursuing God, and instead of crying out more, I shut up and I took a back seat to everybody else. And one Sunday, sitting in the floor at the Valley Mines Worship Center, they begin to sing the song, Wash Over Me. Wash Over Me. And I, it felt like, Pastor, that heaven had just opened up. And every lie I had ever been told, every opinion I had ever been given, every disqualification, every, every, um, um, every word that they ever spoke over me was washed away in a moment. In a moment. 
I got up from that place and I, I felt different. Pastor, I walked different. My talk was different. The anointing was different. The calling was different. And when I begin to hold myself at a higher standard than what I let people convince me, when I begin to look in the mirror and begin to speak life into myself, then when people begin to throw things at me with their words, it bounced off. Because the word said I'm this, and the word says I'm that, and he calls me this. It's living in that Kairos moment. It's living in that place where the situation looks dim. He could have gone home that day blind. He could have gone home that day and never given another thought. Well, today just wasn't my day. But the word says that he cried out all the more. What are you facing in your life today? What are you going through? And you feel like you've prayed about it. And it keeps getting worse. And you call it out. But, you know, everybody, I have this, this um, friend that I work with. And she was talking to me the other day about fasting. And, you know, fasting, the word says that some things come only by prayer and Fasting. And as I was beginning to prepare for tonight, I began to think, I wonder if this man was so sure that Jesus was going to heal him, heal him, that he began to do everything in the natural he knew to do. Fasting's not fun. For some of you it might be, but I like food. It's not fun. When God says go on a fast, I nor- you know, I talk to God like I do my best friend. I'm like, are you really, are you sure? Did I hear you right? Because it's the unfun parts and the consistency in that that sometimes brings the breakthrough. Doing the hard things. You see, if fasting was easy, everybody would do it. If going to church and paying your tithing was easy, everybody would do it. But it's a sacrifice. Are you going to be obedient to him? This man had two options, be healed or go home blind. That's all he had. And he wasn't guaranteed that he was going to be able to come back the next day and God still be there. So it was either seize the moment now or go home blind. Your your, Your time is tonight. You can either seize the moment Or you can go home discouraged. You can either seize the moment. Or you can go home confused. And go home broken. And go home disappointed. And go home weak. And go home and think, why do I even try? Or you can come to the altar and say, son of David, if you're here, I'm not going back to who I was before I was, I was brought into this city. I'm not going back home like I was before I walked into this church tonight. It's your moment. There's a Kairos moment for all of us. You may be praying for somebody 
And the situation may look dim, and it may look bleak, and it may look empty, it may look hopeless. But he's about to show up on your behalf, on their behalf. It's a moment that only you and God can have. I believe, I told, I told my husband this afternoon when we were talking, I said, it amazes me. I said, the best days of this church is just ahead of them. I know I grew up in the church. My dad will be, May of next year, will be 32 years of pulpit pastoring ministry that he's been in. I've been surrounded my whole life around all kinds of preachers, all kinds of pastors, all kinds of men and women of God. And I sat as the Lord is my witness. I sat in my car with my husband today and I said, I'm telling you right now. I said, I have never met a man with a heart to pastor like this one. I have never, I've known Dane a long time. I have never met a man whose heart is for the people of God than this man. You see, when this man says, I'm going to pray for you, I believe he prays for you. When this man says that he has your back, guess what? He has your back. The best days of the Elevate Faith Church are not behind you. You've had good ones, and you've had moments in God that were so uh, monumental for your life and for the foundation of this church. But do not get complacent that that's all there was. There is more. He's, you are about to walk in to your Kairos moment. You are about to seize a moment in God that Farmington, Missouri has been waiting for. You are going to see a harvest like you've never seen before. You're going to see finances flow and increase like you've never seen before. Your Kairos moment for your church, you are on the verge of breakthrough. You are on the verge of every person who said bad things about it have to carry you to him. You're about to have to look. He's a preparing pastor, I believe, with my heart. He has begun to prepare a place for you at the table. And he's saying, come on up, son. Everything you've prayed for, everything you've asked him for, you are on the verge of breakthrough in this church. There's an anointing like I've never felt in this church. You walk into this church and you know people have been praying. It is your moment. If I can get Dane and Christian and my husband to come here. If I can get you two to stand right here.